This is the Troll Patrol. Live with Justin Freakin'. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Wednesday. Chad is talking about a 10K Gucci Xbox. I said that makes me want to piss and puke. There's a reference to the governor of West Virginia who was briefed on the Delta variant. <laughs> he said he had to go to the bathroom and pee and puke or something like that. I will say the House of Gucci movie looks very good. Apparently it pissed off the Gucci family, so more power to it. it makes me want to see it even more. I love Lady Gaga. Always down with an Al Pacino performance, so... Jared Leto, hit or miss with me, I don't know. Jared Leto, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but I like, okay, sure. I'm not high enough for this shit. What are we talking about tonight? Yeah, okay. No, I never looked into his cult, but like, I've, I've told you I've seen him, I've seen his band, right? And I saw him in, like, the middle of July. No, it was June. It was June. It was, the, it was the middle of June. But still, still, the middle of June in the swamp in Georgia. It had to be, like, 90-something fucking degrees. Probably felt like 105. Motherfucker had this gigantic getup on. That, like, had, like, four different jackets he was wearing in the middle of summer. I will never understand that shit. It's like when I saw Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor had like a, a, a hoodie on, sweating his fucking ass off, but did not take the hoodie off. Oh yeah, I do remember that story. You have reminded me of that like three different times, and every time it's always like hearing it for the first time. That his cult went out to the desert. And they didn't know about COVID when they came back. I'm sorry, like, Sparkle says, you know, like, it's always a new adventure with with Justin. With muffins. She calls me muffins. I I play a video game after I I haven't played it for a couple years. It's like I've never played it before. I watch a movie. A couple years removed from it. I can't remember shit about it. It's like watching a brand new fucking movie. It's a blessing and a curse, I guess. So, like, for something to be quotable to me, I have to have seen it, like, 10, 15 fucking times. There's not very many. I get bored easily, so there's not very many movies I've seen. Rocky Mountain. What's Rocky Mountain? Is that a movie? Was I working on Rocky Mountain? What in the... What? What? I don't even... I don't even know what you're referring to. Oh, Rocky Horror! No, we'll do that next... I'm, I'm very big on doing themes, so we'll do that next, uh... Next Halloween. Couldn't do it after Halloween. That's not right. We're moving on to, to Thanksgiving theme shit. Now we're into the Christmas shit, which... We're getting ready to watch the lighting of the national tree. Apparently we're gonna get Nancy Pelosi speaking for a moment beforehand. I'm sure that's fun. What else we got? Uh, speaking of mountains, Pilot Mountain in North Carolina 
thousands of acres scorched by wildfires. We're going to check in with British Columbia, which has just been drenched with rain and flooding, expecting more rain. A World War II bomb went off in Germany today. Apparently injured at least one person. We've got Alec Baldwin and ABC milking the death on the set of the movie Rust. Baldwin gave an exclusive interview. We're going to watch a portion of that. Ooh, the video of the uh, freelancer that worked for MSNBC that was following uh, the jury bus in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. That video has been released. We're going to watch that video. Uh, We're going to talk about the Waukesha Parade suspect. He gave an interview. Uh, Apparently, he's feeling pretty pretty, uh, uh, bad for himself. We're going to talk about the school shooter from yesterday who has been identified. Student said he was bullied. He has been charged. Uh, I believe one count of terrorism. And four counts of homicide. Warlord! I can't complain. Maybe I'm not high enough for this shit. <laughs> Warlord! I, I just noticed it right before I came on, because that's about the that's about the time I, I spend on Discord. Warlord had sent me a story about Linders. Uh, relaxed laws now allow lenders to get more personal information, maybe hitting you up in your DMs on social media. Warlord trying to slip into my DMs and get some money from me. I ain't got shit right now. Give me a, give me a few days. I might, I might have a little money for you. If you need a spot. There was a man in a wheelchair. Uh, in Arizona that was shot dead by the police for no fucking reason. Apparently he was shoplifting the death sentence here in the United States. You know what else is a death sentence? Being an anti-vaxxer, this Christian broadcaster learned the hard way. Marcus Lamb, now dead. Anti-vaxxer died of, you guessed it, COVID. The first case of the Omicron variant has been detected here in the U.S. We're going to hear from Dr. Anthony Fauci on that. The Supreme Court has not yet ruled... On the Mississippi abortion restriction case. That I know of. Something could have happened since I have not been paying attention. And been working on doing bringing bring the show to you guys. We're going to hear from Justice Sotomayor. From today's hearings. Stacey Abrams has announced her run. For governor of Georgia. Oh, 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 we found out today. First of all, like, Mark Meadows has flipped and is cooperating with the January 6th committee. We we covered that story in the last couple of days. 
whatever the fuck had happened. We found out now Mark Meadows has a book. He's hawking a book. That's why. That's why he is flipping. Given the goods on Trump and the first little nugget of information he dropped is that Trump tested positive for COVID before the debate with Joe Biden, the first debate last year. We're also going to hear from Representative Ilan Omar who played a voicemail that is indicative of the types of voicemails she receives thanks to the right-wing vitriol that is always directed at her. But we're going to start off tonight with a little Christmas cheer. This is Nancy Pelosi at the Capitol. You see the national Christmas tree behind her. Our distinguished speakers who we've heard from, but all of them to join in the countdown. And Here we go. going to be... Swiffling. Now, you know how to do this, right? Yes. Okay. If you push it up, okay? Make it push it up, okay. And now, again, uh, invite the California... Do you know how to govern, ma'am? From five. Five, four, three, two, one. Michael! That's a big-ass fucking tree. That's like a 50-foot fucking tree. But, I mean, it's the national tree, so of course it's like a dick measuring contest. We can't, have, we can't not have a gigantic fucking dick. That was in front of the Capitol. Do they use lifts to put the lights on them? Do they do they lay the motherfucker down and like string the lights around? Ladies and gentlemen, the Honorable J. Brett Blanton, architect of the United States Capitol. Thank you everyone for coming out to tonight's ceremony and joining Speaker Nancy Pelosi, the California delegation, the Forest Service. I'd rather hear the band play and look at the tree some more. I'm like, I'm kind of bored by this guy already. Christmas tree. The Capitol Architect. Happy and safe holiday seasons. Thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain in place for the departure of the official party. Thank you for attending the U.S. Capitol Christmas tree lighting. Thank you, fuck you, bye. Today was not only the lighting of the Capitol Christmas tree, it is the 66th Mr. anniversary Speaker, I rise today. of the arrest of Rosa Parks in Montgomery, Alabama. This is Representative Terry Sewell paying her respects to Rosa Parks. To honor an American pioneer and one of the greatest heroines of our time, Mrs. Rosa Parks, on the 66th anniversary of her arrest in Montgomery, Alabama. 
Today, 66 years ago, Rosa Parks took a bold stand against racial discrimination by refusing to give up her seat on a public bus in Montgomery. It has been disgusting to see how the right wing has did more than simply use her legacy today. The bus systems of Montgomery, her dignified courage, especially uh, specifically from. Rosa Parks' quiet refusal. Congressman like my congressman here in Alabama. On December 1st, 1955, sparked a citywide boycott of Montgomery bus system that lasted one whole year and broke the very will of the city heavily steeped in segregation. Biographer Douglas Brinkley recounted the powerful moment in his biography of Rosa Parks. He writes... Are you going to stand up? The driver demanded. Rosa Parks looked straight at him and said, no. Flustered and not quite sure what to do, the bus driver retorted, well, I'm going to have you arrested. And Rosa Parks sat next to the window and quietly said, you may do that. Her soft yet forceful response led to an arrest, a $10 fine, and the beginning of the of the most important demonstration in American history, and this was a coordinated effort. Now, I, I hope the representative uh, Sewell gets into it, but like, she didn't just decide to sit on the bus one day and raise some hell. Like, this was an effort by multiple groups, and she was the one chosen to do this. The Montgomery bus boycott stands as a powerful testament of the will of a disenfranchised people to work collectively to achieve extraordinary social change. Today, while we commemorate the progress that has been made, we must also recommit ourselves to the struggle and the fight for equal justice. We must remain vigilant in the struggle for voting rights, criminal justice reform, and economic equity. And, th- and that's what the right wing and the neoliberal order are scared of, is the collective action. Lifelong work in the fight for justice and equality still resonates with us today, reminds us that we cannot take for granted the battles endured by those before us, nor must we neglect our own responsibility to ensure liberty and justice. As benefactors of the sacrifice of these brave men and women, we must be willing to answer the modern-day call and to dare to be trailblazers on our own. Rosa Parks' quiet refusal to surrender her seat on December 1st, 1955, inspired generations of others to continue her legacy by standing up for the values that our democracy holds dear. And because of her contributions, I am proud to join with Congressman Jim Cooper and CBC Chairwoman Joyce Beatty in introducing the Rosa Parks Day Act, which would designate today, December 1st, as the new federal holiday in her honor honestly i can't believe it hasn't been already private her her brave sacrifices lives on in american history and serves as a reminder to continue to protect the gains that we have made over 60 years ago while tackling the challenges that plague this nation today while we honor the guardian of the montgomery bus boycott today must we must also acknowledge her sacrifices and do our own responsibility as a call to action. Though Jim Crow is no more, there are modern-day challenges that require the time and talents. It resonates. We must remain vigilant in seeking justice for the countless black Americans that fall victim to police brutality. We must remain vigilant 
in our commitment to continuing the fight to protect the sacred right to vote. We owe Rosa Parks and so many others nothing less. Thank you, and I yield back the balance of my And when we're talking about fighting, let me illustrate exactly the type of person we are fighting against. Representative Ilan Omar held a press conference today. I myself have reported hundreds of threats on my life, often triggered by Republican attacks on my faith. And this week, once again, we saw another increase. I'm going to play you a voicemail. I, hold on, I, I better hit the content warning for this. Because this is a very heinous voicemail. Received hours after I got off the phone with Representative Bobert after she posted her video. We see you, Muslim sin nigger bitch. We know what you're up to. You're all about taking over the country. Don't worry, there's plenty that will love the opportunity to take you off the face of the fucking earth. Come get it, bitch, you fucking Muslim piece of shit, you jihadist. We know what you are. You're a fucking traitor. You will not live much longer, bitch. I can almost guarantee you that. You the people are rising up. And you will be tried for a military tribunal. And you will be found guilty. For those of you who did not hear it very well, let me read you what the voicemail says. We see you, sand and word, bitch. We know what you are up to. You are all about taking over our country. Don't worry. There is plenty that would love the opportunity to take you off the face of this effing earth. Come get it. But you are effing Muslim piece of shit. You are jihadist. We know what you are. You are effing traitor. And you will not live any longer. And this comes right after Marjorie Taylor Greene refers to her as the Jihad Squad. After Lauren Boebert refers to her as the Jihad Squad. I guess I should give Boebert credit. I guess it was it was her invention, possibly. I don't know. She's probably picked it up on some fucking Reddit thread or some shit. She doesn't seem witty enough to come up with something like that on her own. Not only are they threatening lawmakers, but then you go to, like, fucking Georgia, where they're doing everything they can to disenfranchise voters. Jim Crow 2.0, exactly. But here we've got Stacey Abrams. We are a mighty nation. Going to be fighting back. In our national experiment. This isn't isn't a video about her announcing today, but Governor uh, Georgia Democrat Stacey Abrams announced on Wednesday that she is running for governor, setting up a possible rematch with uh, Georgia GOP Governor Brian Kemp in what could become one of the most closely watched races in the country. 
The voting rights advocate and former top Democrat in the Georgia House of Representatives tweeted her announcement, saying she is running because opportunity in our state shouldn't be determined by zip code, background, or access to power. Abrams' announcement is a boon for Democrats. Abrams ran for governor in 2018, losing to Kemp by 1.4 points. But her campaign vaulted her into the upper echelons of the Democratic Party and made her a fundraising force who will be able to throw millions at a run. Democrats believe demographic and political changes in Georgia, as evidenced by President Joe Biden's electoral victory there last year and the state being represented by two Democrats in the Senate, make it more possible for a Democrat to become the top executive in the state. Job of governor to fight for one Georgia or Georgia, Abrams said in her announcement video. Go ahead, we'll give it since we watched uh, Oz's announcement video, we'll watch Stacey Abrams' announcement video. More weed is always recommended. Now, I, I still think, I still stand by my statement that the Democratic Party fucked up not making her the DNC chair. She clearly, like, she has all the attributes that you would want in a DNC chair. Instead, they gave it to Jamie Harrison. I... But, hey, if she pulls off a run for governor in Georgia, then more power to her. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. And for the past four years, thank you for our daily bread. When the hardest times hit us all, Amen. I've worked to do my part to help families make it through. Here you go. Paying off medical debt for 68,000 Georgians. Expanding access to vaccines. Bringing supplies to overwhelmed food banks. Lending a hand across our state, especially in rural Georgia. We help finance small businesses trying to stay afloat. And I spoke up for families being left behind. More weed is always recommended. What I know to be true has not. Our values are still strong. No matter where we come from in Georgia or how long we've been here, we believe in this place and our people. Folks who deserve to be seen and heard and have a voice. Because in the end, we are one Georgia. Regardless of the pandemic or the storms, the obstacles in our way or the forces determined to divide us. My job has been to put my head down and keep working toward one Georgia. For that farmer in Peach County. That is the most beautiful description of <laughs> the bigotry I've ever read. The teacher in Sparta, the mechanic in College Park, for our next generation who should have more than we can imagine. Because opportunity and success in Georgia shouldn't be determined by your zip code, background, or access to power. Pretty good to be just riffing. To move to its next and greatest chapter, we're going to need leadership. I think he'd make a really good governor. All you gotta do is say. I think she'd make a really good governor too. <laughs> leadership that knows how to do the. But I, th- I think if she had been in DNC leadership, uh, she could have helped. Leadership that understands. Put governors in many other seats. And has real plans. That's the job of governor. 
to fight for one Georgia, our Georgia. And now it's time to get the job done. Excellent ad. I like that Democrats' ads are always, you know, optimistic at least. Actually putting forward a positive message. Except when they're like paying for Trump propaganda, which is really fucking weird. Sotomayor suggests Supreme Court won't survive the stench of overturning Roe v. Wade, but as I said, I don't think they're going to overturn it. I think they're going to allow the Mississippi law to stand without striking down Roe v. Wade. I think they're going to keep taking on cases that effectively strike down Roe v. Wade, but don't actually overturn president. I like, I, I think they're trying to be fucking sneaky about it. Sotomayor used her questions in a hearing on a Mississippi abortion case to urge her conservative colleagues to follow precedent, not politics. Justice Sonia Sotomayor used her questions during a Supreme Court hearing on Wednesday on abortion rights to urge her conservative colleagues to follow precedent and not politics in deciding the case. She noted that the sponsors of the 2018 Mississippi abortion law, which would ban most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy had said they were pushing ahead with the legislation and a court challenge because we have new justices on the Supreme Court. Then-President Donald Trump successfully nominated three Supreme Court justices during his four-year term, giving the conservatives a 6-3 majority. I would say it comes down to... I wouldn't even... I would... I would even... Roberts is almost certainly going to side with the liberals... So it's going to be a 5-4 decision. To make it look like it's not partisan. To give the appearance that they're, you know, doing the, the judicious thing. I don't, or maybe Roberts will side with them to to give it more validity. This is a tough one, actually. Sotomayor, who was nominated by then-President Barack Obama, said that tossing out the landmark ruling establishing abortion rights would tarnish the court's reputation and open the floodgates to other challenges to well-settled law. Will this institution survive the stench that this creates in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts? I don't see how it is possible, she said, while questioning Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart. Sotomayor called Roe v. Wade a watershed decision that created an entrenched a set of expectations in our society that this is what the court decided, this is what we will follow. Overturning Roe could have other far-reaching consequences as well. She warned, I could name any other set of rights, including the Second Amendment, by the way. There are many political people who believe the court erred in seeing this is a personal right as opposed to a militia right, she said. People actually believe that it's all political. How will we survive? How will the court survive? 
Stewart countered that there have been medical advancements since Roe was decided in 1973 and since the court's 1992 decision in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. That ruling has held that states can impose some restrictions on abortion as long as they do not present an undue burden, but the procedure cannot be prohibited before fetal viability, generally considered to be 23 to 24 weeks into pregnancy. Sotomayor asked Stewart what the medical advancements have been since Casey, and he said knowledge and concern about such things as fetal pain prior to 24 weeks. That is not a thing. There is no such thing as fetal pain. Sotomayor accused him of using junk science and said there's a small fringe of doctors who hold that view, and it's not one well-founded in science at all, which is the truth. All right, also, today is World AIDS Day. i spare you Biden's remarks, because I'm sure they're boring. But Biden marked World AIDS Day with new actions to end the HIV epidemic by 2030. He said, I want to make sure that everyone in the United States knows their HIV status, that everyone with HIV receives high-quality care and treatment that they deserve, and that they and that we end the harmful stigma it says sigma i'm assuming it means stigma around hiv and aids according to biden at an event at the white house it shouldn't matter where you live in the country or how much money you make we have to respond across the board to the hiv epidemic everywhere and support all people living with hiv and critically the strategy takes on racial and gender disparities in our health system that for much too long have affected HIV outcomes in our country. The Biden administration unveiled an updated strategy on Wednesday, which provides a roadmap for the federal government through 2025 to reduce HIV infections, improve treatment, lessen health care inequalities, and combat discrimination and stigmas. That's all well and good. I would think that Medicare for All would go a long way in combating uh, disparities in our health system that have much too long affected HIV outcomes in our country. That's that's just me. What do I know, though? I spared you Biden talking about World AIDS Day, but let's get a Biden quote here well what he thought about trump testing positive before their first debate because of what i've seen so far based on what we've done this is the first time i've seen where labor and business are so ready to cooperate wait what because they didn't go through a period of year over two years almost of the impacts of a of a terrible virus that has caused real damage to the world economy so I think people are in a different state of mind than they may have been during the Carter years, as well as the perhaps we're going to get a follow-up question a here. Mark Meadows has written a book revealing that President Trump tested positive for COVID three days before your first debate. Do you think the former president put you at risk? 
I don't think about the former president. Mr. Thank president, you. President, whatever happened to your promise to shut down? Were you aware that he texted positive? Ah, yeah. 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 He's he's bluffing there. He does indeed think about the former president because the motherfucker is going to run again in 2024. Now, apparently, John Kelly is saying that uh, Trump is not going to run again because he doesn't want to be perceived as a loser, but like. I don't see it. I think he's running. I think there's no way he doesn't run. (sighs) Let's get the update from Dr. Fauci about the first case being detected of the Omicron variant being detected here in the United States. Apparently it was a case in California. As some of you may have heard, the the California and San Francisco Departments of Public Health and the CDC have confirmed that a recent case of COVID-19 among an individual in California was caused by the Omicron variant. Genomic sequencing was conducted at the University of California at San Francisco, and the sequence was confirmed at the CDC as being consistent with the Omicron variant. So I know there are a lot of questions, but here's what we know right now. The individual was a traveler who returned from South Africa on November the 22nd and tested positive on November the 29th. The individual is self-quarantining and all close contacts have been contacted and all close contacts thus far have tested negative. The individual was fully vaccinated and experienced mild symptoms, which are improving at this point. So this is the first confirmed case of COVID-19 caused by the Omicron variant detected in the United States. But I guarantee it's here. knew that it was just a matter of time before the first case of Omicron would be detected in the United States. And as you know, we know, I've been saying it, and my colleagues on the medical team and others have been saying it, we know what we need to do to protect people. Get vaccinated if you're not already vaccinated. Get boosted if you've been vaccinated for more than six months with an mRNA or two months with J&J. And all the other things we've been talking about, about getting your children vaccinated, masking in indoor congregate settings, etc., There you go. Let's get the rundown of the 26. Sorry, 24 countries. The Omicron variant has been found. It's now been found in two dozen countries. The World Health Organization says that although there's still much to be learned about the new strain, there's no indication that existing COVID-19 vaccines won't continue to save lives. The WHO said the new strain had been detected in 23 countries, but later Wednesday, the United States reported its first case of the Omicron variant. Speaking at a news conference Wednesday in Geneva, Maria von Kirchhove, the COVID-19 technical lead in WHO's uh, health emergencies program, said scientists expect to know more soon about how quickly the new variant spreads and how severe it might be. While it is early days, there's some indication that some of the patients are presenting with mild disease, Van Kirkhove said. We expect to have more information on transmission within days, not necessarily weeks, and in days in terms of the severity profile. 
Omicron has been declared a variant of concern by the WHO last week after being identified in South Africa. Identified, not necessarily originating, and has quickly become a global cause for concern amid speculation that it could possibly evade vaccines and acquired immunity from infection with previous strains, including the now dominant Delta variant. Now, why might they think that? Let's jump to this article here. Which explains the studies they were doing beforehand. The World Health Organization has identified and tracked more than 20 variants, yet unlike with others that popped up around the world before they mostly fizzled out, including the Lambda variant, which was first documented in December in Peru, or the Mu variant, which was detected a month later in Colombia, there were early signs that the Omicron variant's cocktail of mutations made it different and worthy of swift action, even overreaction, experts say. While it's too soon to know what the mutations mean for the effectiveness of vaccines or how sick people could become from the variant, the emergence of the Omicron strain also highlights the frustrating reality of the COVID pandemic. Variants will continue to pose serious threats until countries around the world have more equal and ready access to vaccines. Something I've been yelling about all along. Within hours of the WHO's designating Omicron as a variant of concern on Friday, dozens of countries imposed new travel bans. Places that had loosened restrictions, reintroduced mass mandates, and anxieties ran high. It was in lab experiments with a virus that was genetically altered so it didn't pose a threat to humans. That scientists produced a myriad of combinations of spike protein mutations and tested how well they were able to evade COVID-19 antibodies. One of their more worrisome outcomes was observed in a lab-produced spike protein that carried 20 mutations, more than had been observed in any other uh, known variant at the time, but fewer than in the Omicron variant. It, this is this is why governments reacted so swiftly it was largely resistant to neutralizing antibodies from both vaccines and natural immunity so they produced two thirds of the mutations that are detected on the Omicron variants And it was largely resistant to neutralizing antibodies from both vaccines and natural immunity. More research is needed to understand how the Omicron variant behaves in real-world settings. Scientists said many of the variant's mutations correspond to the types of changes she and her colleagues studied in the lab. (laughs) Yay us! So it is that research is the reason why governments taking swift action. EU chief says it's time to consider mandatory vaccination. Oh God, I'm going to butcher her name. Ursula von der Leyen. Okay, maybe I didn't do that bad. 
that vaccines would be crucial in the fight against the highly contagious new variant. Some two dozen countries have reported cases of Omicron, and the EU has tightened travel restrictions since it was first reported earlier this month. European countries have also been facing a wider spike in cases. The World Health Organization, meanwhile, said early signs were that most cases of the Omicron variant were mild. On Wednesday, Ms. von der Leyen said it was understandable and appropriate for EU members to discuss mandatory COVID vaccinations, given that a third of the bloc's population was unvaccinated. How we can encourage and potentially think about mandatory vaccination within the European Union, this needs discussion. This needs a common approach, but it is a discussion that I think needs to be led. She told a news conference in Brussels. Only uh, individual EU states can enforce vaccine mandates, and some are already taking steps in that direction. Austria has announced compulsory COVID vaccinations from February next year, while Greece is finding all unvaccinated over 60s uh, 100 EU a month. Euro, 100 EU. I'm so fucking stupid. I'm clearly a dumb fuck American and not well-traveled. 100 euro a month. Germany's incoming chancellor, Olaf Schloss, has said he supports compulsory jabs. In an interview with Build Television, Mr. Schultz said he wanted compulsory vaccination from March. Also said a faster rollout of booster jabs was needed. Meanwhile, the latest legal setback, I can't even count them anymore. Federal judge blocks healthcare worker vaccine mandate nationwide. Here in the U.S., a national COVID-19 vaccine mandate for thousands of healthcare workers has been put on hold by a federal judge. Judge Terry A. Daughtry granted a preliminary injunction to the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services mandate on Tuesday, November 30th. The CMS policy stipulates that any employee of a facility that participates in Medicaid or Medicare must be fully vaccinated by January 4th with no testing option available. It requires Medicare and Medicaid health provider staff members to receive one COVID-19 vaccine dose by December 6th. They would need to receive a second vaccine by January 4th. The CMS mandate covers 76,000 medical facilities and 17 million employees nationwide. Biden administration, uh, the Biden administration contends federal rules supersede state policies prohibiting vaccine mandates and are essential to slowing the pandemic, which has killed more than 775,000 people in the U.S., about three-fifths of the U.S. population already is fully vaccinated. Judge, Judge Daughtry wrote that a final decision on the matter will be up to a higher court, although an injunction on Monday by a federal judge blocked the mandate from being implemented in 10 states. This latest, uh, this latest ruling is going to apply nationwide. But hey, we should just we should just leave it up to people whether they're going to get vaccinated or not. It's not like it affects the rest of us. It's not like it's going to affect them in any way. Not like this anti-vaccine Christian broadcaster whose name is Marcus Lamb. He died at 64 after contracting COVID-19. 
Take a good look at Marcus here. Marcus Lamb is a co-founder and the CEO of the conservative Christian Daystar Television Network, who vocally opposed COVID-19 vaccines. He has now died at the age of 64 weeks after he contracted COVID-19, the network said. It's with a heavy heart we announced that Marcus Lamb, president and founder of Daystar Television Network, went home to be with the Lord this morning. The family asked that their privacy be respected as they grieve this difficult loss. Please continue to lift them up in prayer. Lamb's son, Jonathan Lamb, filled in for his father on November 23rd at Daystar Broadcast and beseeched listeners to pray for his father's recovery. Well, are we going to get to watch it? Oh, I've got to, like, sign up. i got to give him my email and shit. Fuck off. Speaking to viewers from Lamb's hospital bedside via telephone, Lamb's wife, Joni Lamb, said, with this thing, it's kind of like riding a roller coaster. It's like, you'll just be up and everything's great, then you'll have a little lull, and then you'll come down low, and then you'll come back up. But from everybody that I talked to, I think that's the pattern, she said. We can really feel the prayers of the people. Well, apparently the prayers of the people didn't work because he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He did not recover from COVID-19. Unlike these big cats, which have indeed recovered from COVID-19, which I'm very thankful to report, the St. Louis Zoo announces the big cats have recovered from COVID-19. Eight big cats tested positive for the virus three weeks ago. The zoo said they now only have occasional coughing or sneezing. They're happy to update that the affected animals have recovered from the respiratory infections with only occasional coughing or sneezing noted. The cats have already been either fully vaccinated or partially vaccinated against the virus before they got sick. The zoo said they believe the vaccine helped the cats only develop mild symptoms. Cats got a two-dose series of the vaccine between September 30th and October 26th. They previously said they think the big cats were exposed before their second dose. Poor puss indeed. I'm sad the kitties were sick to begin with because of our stupidity. Speaking of stupidity, let's talk about meta. You want to talk about Meta. Meta, which I don't even know. Apparently, the owners of that trademark did not give them permission to use the name. Facebook just going ahead and calling themselves Meta. Even though they really don't have the legal right to do so. Meta removes accounts linked to COVID disinformation effort by China. Meta announced on Wednesday it has removed over 600 Facebook and Instagram accounts linked to a Chinese influence operation that claimed the U.S. was pressuring the World Health Organization to blame COVID on China. There is a faction of the U.S. that indeed wants to do that. 
Though Meta said the network was unsuccessful, it marks yet another COVID disinformation campaign instigated by China in an effort to discredit the U.S. A fake persona claiming to be a Swiss biologist created an account in July, two days after it was reported that the Chinese government had rejected a WHO plan for the second phase of a study into COVID origins and posted a message alleging that the WHO sources and a number uh, uh, and a number of fellow researchers had compiled had complained of enormous pressure and even intimidation from the U.S. Within two days, the post had circulated among hundreds of accounts in some Chinese state media, according to Meta. A number of these accounts had ties to individuals at the firm the Chuan Silence Information Technology and some Chinese state infrastructure companies, though Meta said it had not identified a connection between the Chuan Silence Information Technology and the Chinese government. The campaign targeted English-speaking audiences in the U.S. and the U.K., as well as Chinese-speaking audiences in Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Tibet. Meanwhile, women's tennis has decided to suspend Chinese events over the Ping Shui concerns. The WTA chair, uh, chairman and CEO, Steve Simon, repeated his call for a full and transparent investigation without censorship into Ping's accusations of sex assault. Head of the Women's Professional Tennis Tour announced on Wednesday that all WTA tournaments would be suspended in China because of concerns about the safety of Ping Shui, a Grand Slam doubles champion who accused a former high-ranking government official in that country of sexual assault. Ping dropped out of public view after raising the allegations about former Vice Premier Zhang Gaoli in a November 2nd social media posting that was quickly taken down. Fortunately, the leadership in China has not addressed this very serious issue in any credible way, WTA Chairman and CEO Steve Simon wrote in a statement distributed by the tour. While we know, uh, while we now know where Ping is, I have serious doubts that she is free, safe, and not subject to censorship, coercion, and intimidation. Simon repeated his call for a full and transparent investigation without censorship into Ping's accusations. He took an unusually strong stand against China which was supposed to be the site of several tennis tournaments next year, including the prestigious season-ending WTA Finals. Beijing is set to host the Winter Olympics beginning on February 4th, and International Olympic Committee President Thomas Bach said late last month he spoke with Ping on a video call. The IOC did not release video or a transcript of the exchange. and said only that Bach reported she said she was well are growing calls to boycott the Beijing Olympics for a number of reasons. The right wing in this country has several. Going to have to hit the content warning again before we read this next story. We do have video to go along with it. Top caught on video shooting man in a wheelchair nine times. Nine times from behind. 
an off-duty Arizona cop working security for a Walmart store. Remember, guys, I don't read this stuff until, like, I actually get on here with you. Like, I just, like, I've got the headlines. So he was off fucking duty and was working security for Walmart. Fatally shot a man in a wheelchair nine times in the back as he fled after being accused of shoplifting. Of shoplifting. Here is the video. Once again, this could be very difficult to watch. Bravo 1-8. Bravo 1-8. He's coming in 84. I have a male suspect that just shoplifted right in front of him. He pulled a knife on me. He's currently westbound in the parking lot. Pull the knife on him! Doubt. 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 Pull the knife on him. I need an additional unit to Bravo 1-8 at 1650 West Valencia Road. We're going to be 1039. Bravo 1-8. Copy. It's white male. Flannel t-shirt. White hat. We're in front of the DD's discount. In a goddamn wheelchair. Northbound on Oak Tree going towards the Lowe's. And Bravo 1-5 to 1-U-5. He's confronted by loss prevention. He pulled the knife on loss prevention while I was right there. Probably we're on the east side of Lowe's in the parking lot, so we're just west of Oak Tree. Still going south, though. Alright, so that was the security camera. Now we have the body camera. Oh my god! I fuck! This cop needs to be charged. What fuck? The off-duty cop began to follow Richards into the store's parking lot, although it's unclear for how long. In disturbing video released to the public by police on Tuesday, Remington can be seen trailing Richards in the parking lot surveillance video as he calls for police backup and tells the dispatcher that the man had pulled a knife on him. Joe Watson, a Pima County attorney's office spokesperson, told Box News... That a review of the shooting will get underway once they receive the evidence involved in it. Fucking, you've got a video. You've got a fucking video. Arrest the fucking cop. Uh, there needs, there, no review is needed. Tucson Mayor Regina Romeo told the New York Times that the office has her full support in pursuing any charges in the matter. Mike Story, an attorney for the Tucson Police Officers Association who's representing Remington did not immediately respond to Vice News' request for comment, but told the New York Times that his, uh, that his client tried repeatedly to de-escalate the situation. What? He's the only one escalating the situation. 
He had no other choice but to use deadly force when he did. Fuck off. He also told the outlet that uh, that Remington fired nine shots as a result of his training with the department. Well, that's some fucked up training then. Jesus fucking Christ. Officers are trained that if they perceive a serious and imminent deadly threat, they are to fire multiple times until they perceive that the threat is removed. The dude was in a fucking wheelchair. He was no threat at all. That's Hey, right-wingers, when you talk about tyranny... That's tyranny. That is the, that is a government agent. And this dude apparently was an off-duty fucking cop. Okay, he has indeed been fired. Just executing somebody over some nonsense. How can he? How can he not think the footage is is? Cause like, there's body cam on the other cops. Even if he didn't have his on, because he was working for Walmart at the time. There's he he asked he was working loss prevention. He has to know there's cameras fucking everywhere. Fuck. He, tr- he tried to exonerate himself the 911 call, the whole, the knife thing. You're exactly right. Yeah, this, this, this begins the string of stories that are just kind of, you know, punch in the gut. Yeah, everything we're getting ready to read is fucked up, so keep on with the content warnings. Get an update on the school shooter from yesterday. We have another another victim has died. The shooter has been identified as Ethan Crumbly. His parents had school meeting over his behavior just hours before the attack. We're going to see pictures of the little shit here in a second. The school had some information or some contact with the individual. We had no information from the schools, but we have since learned that the schools did have contact with the student the day before and the day of the shooting for behavior in the classroom that they felt was concerning. In fact, the parents were brought in the morning of the shooting and had a face-to-face meeting with the school. The content of that meeting obviously is part of the investigation, but we did not learn of that meeting nor of the content of that meeting until after the shooting and during this investigation. Now, apparently, it was the shooter's dad that bought the gun for him. After first being talked about by school officials on Monday, Crumbly and his parents were hauled into the school on Tuesday to meet with administrators a short time before he allegedly committed the shootings that left four students dead. Apparently, this is a picture of the parents, which may very well be charged. The father bought the gun for the for Crumbly, Ethan Crumbly, 
apparently on Black Friday. The picture of Crumbly, who has been charged as an adult. Comments came after Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald revealed that Crumbly had been charged with multiple counts of first-degree murder, terrorism, assault, and a weapons possession charge. She was arraigned later in the day and transported uh, from a juvenile facility to the Oakland County Jail and Adult Facility. Uh, Bouchard said that school officials told investigators there was no record that Crumbly had ever been bullied despite reports from other students that he had been targeted. Sheriff said that there was no indication that Crumbly had ever been expelled from the school or had disciplinary issues before. However, at his arraignment in Michigan's 52nd District Court later on Wednesday, Attorney Nadine Hatton told Judge Nancy Karniak that she had represented Crumbly on a juvenile matter but did not specify. Crumbly, who appeared by remote, via, uh, by remote video link, was seen in a bulletproof vest wearing glasses a surgical as he slumped over a table. This is a picture of him during his appearance today in court. Oakland County Sheriff's Lieutenant Tim Wilson told the judge that Crumley shot a video the day before the shootings and had a journal in his backpack that suggested he planned the attack but did not provide details. Wish I could take the little punk to the side and give him the advice that I give all young punk-ass kids. Remember, shoot up drugs, not schools. Much, much more rewarding. And if somebody has to die, it's, it's you and not innocent other people. Just saying. Don't be like this asshat and go driving your SUV into a fucking Christmas parade. It's a content warning again for this one. The Wakesha parade suspect, Daryl Brooks, says he feels dehumanized, demonized in first jailhouse interview. Jail will make you feel dehumanized. That's kind of the fucking point. Daryl Brooks Jr. has spent the last 10 days locked up in a Wisconsin jail cell after allegedly mowing through the barricades and into revelers at the Waukesha Christmas Parade, killing six people and injuring 62. Yes, drugs piss your gun fucking father more. <laughs> piss off your gun fucking father more. Injuring 62. God, I didn't know that latest count. Now he feels dehumanized, he told Fox News Digital on Wednesday in his first remarks to the media, seemingly surprised that he had visitors. I just feel like I'm... Uh, I just feel like I'm being monster demonized. Brooks 39 said during a brief video visit in Waukesha County Jail, a stone's throw from where the tragedy struck over a week uh, earlier. 
Wearing a sleeveless green jail jumpsuit and his hair in braids, the soft-spoken accused killer offered no details about what prompted the carnage. The two Fox News reporters on the other side of the video screen marked the first visitors he's seen since the November 21st night of night of horror. Brooks appeared calm, lucid, and took time to answer each question, even repeating reporters' questions and answers at times. Not even his mother's dropped by, he said. Earlier in the day, she released a statement on behalf of the family decrying Wisconsin's criminal justice system for failing her son, a longtime felon with a 50-page rap sheet detailing domestic violence, firearms, drugs, and other convictions in Wisconsin. This is according to a document obtained by Fox News Digital. Brooks is also a registered child sex offender in Nevada and served time in Georgia for beating his ex record show. Poof. Still, Brooks said he was very close with his mother. He hasn't spoken to any family since the parade attack, but they talked earlier that day, he said. He said he was no longer staying at the address listed in city records as being his residence. Over one mile from the jail, Brooks allegedly plowed his red Ford SUV through a throng of parade goers out taking part in an annual holiday celebration. After a few minutes of conversation, shortly after he learned his mother had released a statement on his mental health, Brooks put down the phone and rose from his chair. Two flanking corrections officers shielded him from view. The sound of what may have been sobbing rattled the receiver. Casual police officials have said they were responding to what they believe was a related report of a domestic incident nearby, but were not able to fully respond before being diverted to early reports of parade tragedy. Aw, here are pictures of the... Six victims in the parade. Fucking what? I don't I don't understand. Prosecutors have charged him with six counts of intentional first degree homicide. He's being held on a five million dollar cash bail and faces up to life in prison if convicted on all counts. Dancing grannies, I'm not I'm not sure about the dancing grannies thing. They were all beautiful people that did not deserve to die. Fucking sucks. Get ready for more bummers. I've got them in strides here. From Wisconsin, sir. This is, this is the, I don't not so much a bummer. I'm not hitting the content warning on this one. This is the, the, the headline here says MSNBC producer, but apparently they were a freelance journalist. They weren't actually a, an employee of MSNBC, but this is the body camera footage of them being pulled over after they ran a red light trying to stay behind the Rittenhouse jury bus. No. Huh? No. Where are you from? Atlanta. Atlanta? Okay. All right. I mean, Dunwoody's my official, but I flew up from Atlanta. You flew up. Oh. What, what's the uh, significance of you being here? I work for NBC. For NBC? NBC? Yeah. Okay. You're a reporter? 
producer. Producer? Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So you were you following a vehicle? I was trying to see. I was being called by New York, going maybe these people you need to follow, but I, I don't know. I was trying to. Yeah, he doesn't want to say it. You, you shouldn't want to say it. Yeah, you should. Don't throw your fucking company under the your, bus. Your offices in New York or what? That's right. How did they know about this vehicle? I mean, it was discreet. I wasn't like, you know, going to talk to anybody. Just trying to find a location. That's all. He was told to follow somebody. This, he's told to follow this vehicle from his offices in New Go York. Go on, tell him what the vehicle was. It's the NBC office in New York? Mm-hmm. Do you have the, the person who told who called you and told you to do this? Yeah. You want to give me his information real quick? You want me to call? Sure. So we and got news media telling him to currently? follow an unmarked vehicle. That's what it sounds like. Hey, uh, law enforcement wants to talk to you. <laughs> law enforcement wants to talk to you. Wow. Hi, this is Officer Jones, Kenos Police. Kind of, we're trying to figure out what's going on here. Why you have a reporter or a producer following vehicles out here? It's Hold on. I'm, I will put you on speakerphone because you're connected to this, this car. Now, can you go again? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Hi, officer. My name is Irene. I'm a booking producer with NBC News. Uh-huh. Um, we, we, we were just trying to respectfully, um, just trying to see if it's, um, if it's possible to, um, to find any leads about, um, about the, the case. And so we were, we, uh, we were, He was a contractor, apparently. Um, just to see like where um, pe- people involved in, in the in the trial um, are positioned. They're, by no means were we trying. To well, I said he was throwing the company under the bus, but apparently they really did tell him to do that. We just were. Hey, you shouldn't have done that. Your producer should have known not to tell you to do that. Where key players in the trial may be at. So I, oh, I if you want, ahead. I can just offer this up. Once the verdict comes, like these are the letters that the clerk is going to be giving to them. So this is, hold on a second. Oh, just trying to. Look. We have hard ID on the individual. Uh, apparently, he's a producer with NBC. Um, currently on the phone with his offices in New York, who advised him to follow. And why they got to do stupid shit like this? Because this is just more fodder for the right wing to attack the media. There was absolutely no news value in him following the jury bus. None. 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 Therefore. Six five one and four ninety four, you said it was a red light violation? Ten four. Okay. Um, all right. So, it, real quick, how you, you advised him to follow uh, 
Like any vehicle? Did you know which vehicle he was following? Hey. We just had um, our pe- people positioned in different areas of the courthouse uh-huh. to um, to see if anyone like. Um, hey, you don't want this kind of publicity. Um, in in different areas, and so we we were just like people uh, like following um, different. He's, uh, we're going to ask you guys to not do that. All right? <laughs> we're going to ask you guys to not do that. You should you should know that. Um, to be honest with you. In dangerous positions. Um, this individual violated some traffic laws here doing this. So we're going to ask you guys to refrain from doing that. Got it. Understood. Thank you so much. I'm very sorry. We're very sorry. I don't, I don't know... Does the dude get in trouble back at the newsroom? I don't like. How do you handle the situation? They did indeed tell him to do that. You have any ties to, to this community, sir? I love this community. I've covered a lot of golf, different straits. Not the Kenosha community itself. Negative. You do not have any ties here. He's from out of state. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Uh, I apologize. Irene, what's your what's your uh, position? I, Irene needs to needs to get the boot as well. Like the right wing has gone nuts with this. I've seen it all over the place. All right, let's go to Alec Baldwin, who apparently granted an exclusive interview because he's with George Stephanopoulos. This is him talking about his incident on the set of Rust. She was someone who was loved by everyone who worked with and liked by everyone who worked with and it- I think this interview airs tonight on ABC somewhere uh, that seems a little cringe to me is crying there I find it hard to believe that it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem real to me you haven't said much in public since that tragic accident why speak out now I think the big question uh, did ABC News give him some money how could this have happened? You've described it as a one in a trillion shot, and the gun was in your hand. How do you come to terms with that? It was Okay, apparently it's tomorrow night. The trigger to be pulled. Well, the trigger wasn't pulled. I didn't pull the trigger. So no. you never pulled the trigger? No, 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 no. I, I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, never. What did you think happened? How did a real bullet get on I, that set? I have no idea. Someone put a live bullet in a gun. A bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. How do you respond to actors? None of it makes sense to me. Every time they were handed a gun, they checked it themselves. Your emotions are so clearly so right there on the surface. You felt shock. You felt anger. You felt sadness. Do you feel guilt? You said you're not a victim, but is this the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Yes. 
This clip has been more George Stephanopoulos think, than Baldwin. And I think of what could I have done? Alec Baldwin, unscripted. Apparently it's tomorrow uh, at 8 o'clock on ABC. But you don't want to watch that. You want to watch Troll Patrol. 8 o'clock Eastern on a Thursday. Come on. I think the, the big news breaker in the interview is that he says he didn't pull the trigger. Which how how does that fucking work? That exactly it's Sure, Alex, sure. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Four people have been injured after a World War II bomb explodes in Munich and disrupts trains. Yeah, there is a there is a uh, union component to this. But that that was a very cheap production that was using using non-union labor. <laughs> Why has nobody interviewed the bullet? I'm I'm fascinated by this though. A 550 pound bomb was found during drilling work. World War II bomb exploded at a construction site next to a busy railway line in Munich on Wednesday, injuring four people, one of them seriously. A column of smoke was seen rising from the site near the <laughs> Donnersberger Bukaki station. That's not that is that is not I, that is not how it's pronounced. But for all intents and purposes, that's how we're going to say it here on the show. This was near the Donnersberger Bukaki station, the construction, the construction site for a new commuter train line is located on the approach to Munich Central Station, which is about a half a mile to the east. Trains to and from the station, one of Germany's busiest were suspended, but service resumed in mid-afternoon. A few local trains were evacuated. The fire service said there was no damage to the tracks. Unexploded bombs are still found frequently in Germany, even 76 years after the end of the war, and often during work on construction sites. They are usually diffused or disposed of in controlled explosions, a process that sometimes entails large-scale evacuations as a precaution. Some put it on eBay? No, whoa. Yeah, this is not the first time this has happened. There's still, like, a lot of live munitions all over Europe from World War fucking 2. What, is it like the fucking, the Swiss or some shit? Have bridges that still have explosives inside them? Oh. I promise you not all of the, like, 
still a fucking gut punch with the news coming at you, but I, I, we're gonna end. We're gonna end the rundown of the news. Um, we're, we're gonna end it with a polar bear enjoying a snow day. So that will warm your fucking hearts. Now we got to talk about British Columbia. Canada's flood hit British Columbia is bracing for more, more heavy rain. This is a photo from here. Let's, let's flip through some of the scenes of where British Columbia has been ravaged by heavy rains and flooding. Cognac. I got some cognac over there. The Canadian province of British Columbia is facing more heavy rains as it tries to recover from massive floods and mudslides. Public Safety Minister Mike Fronsworth said crews were working to shore up dikes and dams, adding some roads would be closed protectively. Flooding earlier this month in Canada's westernmost province, triggered landslides that killed four people, cut off rail access to Vancouver, Canada's largest... I said that really hick-like, didn't I? Vancouver, Canada's largest port, caused billions of dollars of damage. In some areas, this could be the most intense storm yet, Fonsworth said. The cumulative effect of this uh, succession of storms will be and continues to be a major challenge. Officials said parts of the province could expect up to 4.7 inches of rain in less than 36 hours starting later on Wednesday. Oh, God. I have a friend in that area. And I hope she is okay. Also, I have friends in this area where they are being ravaged by wildfires. This is on the east coast of the United States. Pilot Mountain State Park has 1,000 acres scorched by fire. This is not far from, you may have remembered a few years ago, the Great Smoky Mountain Fire. In Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. This is an hour or so down the road. You can see the wildfires ravaging the mountains. The North Carolina Forest Service says the fire in Pilot Mountain State Park has now burned for more than 1,000 acres. The fire is only 20% contained. More than 60 firefighters are battling the blaze. So far, there have been no reports of injuries or property damage, thankfully. Crews started working the fire on Saturday, November 27th. Days later, the North Carolina Forest Service issued a ban on all open burning and canceled all burning permits statewide due to increased fire risk. Pilot Mountain State Park is uh, is located in Surrey and Yadkin counties, 20 miles northwest of Winston-Salem. Just a little north of Mayberry. Interesting. We're not in Mayberry anymore. We live in this technological dystopia. Just a day after Jack Dorsey stepped down at Twitter, 
company has announced a controversial change. Hopefully Twitter eventually gives me my account back. Alabama man survives execution attempt. He survived an execution attempt like four years ago and died of cancer. Uh, a couple days ago. That was on my list. I was going to, I was going to cover that story. Uh, is that on my screen? Is that where you saw that? Or you were just like flipping through? Oh, don't apologize. I was just let I was just letting you know. Uh it was it was a botched execution. I don't even see it. <laughs> I was looking at the stories on the other side, like small business, Bill Gates, consumers, four businesses. Yeah, it was a wild story. We this country has a horrible track record of botched executions. We had one just like two or three weeks ago in Oklahoma. Oh, my bad. The previous page. Just one day after Jack Dorsey stepped down, Twitter announced a controversial change. After less than a day had passed, Twitter announced a new policy about what people are allowed to post on Twitter, a change that proved quite controversial. It left many users wondering if it would radically alter the utility of the social media platform. Here's what happened in a post on its corporate blog Tuesday morning. Twitter announced that it was changing its private information policy to reflect that users can no longer share media of private individuals without the permission of the persons depicted. Media apparently means photos, videos, basically images of people who don't want to be shared on Twitter, as thousands of Twitter users pointed out. However, according to a strict interpretation of this new rule, many images that had gone viral on Twitter and even sparked significant social change over the past few years might have well been banned. What you're saying is we won't be able to share video online that might include circumstances like the murder of Amon Aubrey or George Floyd because it's private led to the arrest and conviction of the men who murdered them. Is that what you're saying? So under this policy, the FBI would not have the ability to search for the January 6th people on here. Local law enforcement can't post images of criminals they're searching for. Missing children's images can't be posted to uh, to help find them. A few hours after the initial Twitter safety announcement, Twitter posted an additional five-tweet thread designed to unpack the new policy it had unveiled. Also, Twitter asked users to go and read the company's entire 800-word blog post announcing the change. Under Twitter's new rules, mainstream traditional media users might be entitled to post some private media on Twitter that non-media users might not be allowed to post unless the private media was also posted by mainstream traditional media users. No, sir, I don't like it. I've got a friend that knows Jesco White or know Je- or knew Jesco White.
All right. After all of that, if you stuck with me through all the 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 slog that the news was today, my apologies here in this in this holiday season. You get rewarded with a polar bear enjoying a snow day. Uh, I, it's in an aquarium and zoo. Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium. Always enjoy polar bears getting down some snow. Huskies really enjoy rolling around in the snow. He is living his best life. I don't, uh... The name of the polar bear is Blizzard... A resident of the Point Defiant Zoo and Aquarium, uh, the polar bear was recently diagnosed with liver cancer. Oh, oh, sweet baby. I don't know where this zoo's at. It's It's not one to tell me where it's at. It's in Tacoma, Washington. Dip! It has fucking cancer! It needs to be somewhere where it can be taken care of. Yes, we all agree with not keeping animals in captivity unless they need to be there for treatment, as such with this animal. We're all with you on that one. So now, don't try to shit on the polar bear enjoying the snow day. Because it's cute as fuck. Yeah, sorry, I tried to warm your hearts, and then I'll tell you that the cute fucking polar bear has cancer. But it sure is enjoying the snow. Why'd you have to say that? Hopefully the treatment is... They said they're going to treat it. They wouldn't be treating him if they thought it was terminal. So hopefully this big boy is going to survive and he's going to he's gonna have many more Merry Christmases and time to play in the snow. Let's be optimistic here. If you're watching on Twitch, I'm going to send you over to Kai. I'm proudly radical. I will be back tomorrow night. And then, of course, Friday night, I'll be joined by my lovely co-host, Sparkles Lavendar, for the Friday Night Freak Show. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol. Live!